with me Famous scenes with drama queens and heroes Acted out there on the silver screen Come grab a seat, the popcorn is on me Hello, welcome to Meet Me at the Movies. Bonjour, I'm North Amanda II. Uh, welcome to the French edition of Meet Me at the Movies. That was a little, uh, uh, you, did you hear that? French horn, maybe? There was a French horn yeah, yeah. there in the background. Uh, that's Thomas Manning over here uh, to my right. And, and we've got, uh, we got Bill Harrelson working on the Meet Me at the Movies drone. We don't know if it's going to work, but we're hoping to have a drone flying. No, what, Greg Tillman? What? He says no. He does, he, you don't think it's going to work? Yeah, Greg, tell me about the omission control. He has no faith uh, in Bill Harrelson, but, but we know Bill uh, can, can really pretty much take care of anything. Uh, if you ever need a ceiling fan put up in your house, if you buy him something from, from like a restaurant like Denny's, he'll install it. He's pretty, pretty good. Just give him a meal. That's all he needs. Uh, uh, Almost once you were saying he could take something from Denny's and make a ceiling fan <laughs> out of that. But you uh, know, he okay. probably yeah, could. Right. He well, probably could. Yeah. He, he could create things out of Legos and discarded uh, memorabilia. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, there you go. That's Bill Harrelson. Uh, glad, glad to have you here. He is our uh, techno wizard working on the Meet Me at the Movies drone. We do talk movies right here uh, on C19. Uh, coming to you from the uh, amazing studios that uh, that Thomas didn't build, uh, didn't build, uh, but he had nothing to do with uh, with the sets or anything. Production design, sound, he just kind of shows up. He, he says talent doesn't have time for that kind of stuff. Is that was that an official quote? I don't think he ever said that. Uh, yeah. I just want to go on the record and say that we greatly appreciate the crew behind the scenes <laughs> here. Uh, the show wouldn't be the same without Greg That's Tillman. Right. I do think we can make. It, <laughs> <That's right. laughs> I do think we can make it work without you, though. So, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. I know you're right. Uh, we we know that John Rudisell, uh, one of our our, our loyal uh, followers right here on Meet the Movies, would would feel the same way. That without me, it it would be much better. So uh, if if you're looking to be a co-host right here on Meet Me in the Movies, uh, we're looking for that non-viewer mail. Just send that to us at info at uh, c19. Uh, dot TV and, and please attach your your resume and uh, we'll take a look and let you know what we think of that. Uh, we do talk movies right here uh, every single week and we got a lot to try to cover today, uh, including a, a feature-length film that is based on uh, true life, but actually based on a documentary from 21 years ago. A documentary of the same name, The Eyes of Tammy Faye. Uh, is the name of this film starring Jessica Chastain and uh, Spider-Man. Uh, and, you know, that's a pretty crazy lineup, Tammy Faye Baker and Spider-Man uh, together. Uh, the documentary uh, was an award winner back in 2000. Yeah, and um, you mentioned Spider-Man. Um, well, Andrew there's Garfield. so many Spider-Man out there, you kind of have to <laughs> specify which one. That's right. And um, so there was Andrew Garfield. But, yeah, Jessica Chastain and Andrew Garfield play uh, Tammy Faye Baker. And uh, uh, Mr. They both played Tammy sorry, Faye sorry. Baker. So Tam I was going to say Tammy Faye Baker and the other Baker, respectively. Jim Baker, Jim Baker <laughs> respectively. Uh, and I've honestly never seen either one of them this this good on screen before. Um, they just they blend so beautifully into their roles, uh, and also not so beautifully because they, we kind of get to see some ugly sides of um, you know they're a bit of the dogma there. And um, uh, this is almost a cautionary tale of dogmatic philosophies and 
what can happen if you just become so wrapped up in your own world and your own belief system and how that might extend outward and negatively impact other people. In your own power as well. I mean, the power that comes with being a leader, period, yeah. and, uh, and then having uh, the following that's right there, uh, you know, wanting every aspect of who you are and what you are to, to just be there and reach out and, and be a part of your, your world. Yeah, most definitely. And uh, I was talking to my friend Christian Jessup, a former, former co-host of the show, yeah. about this film. He actually saw it before me, but he mentioned kind of be on the lookout to see if I could um, see if I could dissect whether or not it was self-aware satire or or if it was trying to play it straight. And just how was it straddling that line? And uh, I do think I've settled. It was pretty much self-aware satire, uh, especially kind of like taking. Um, an, an introspective look at the biopic genre. There are so many montages, and there's like four or five different kind of time-lapse montages of you know this point in their life and this point in their life and this point in their life and all of the kind of turmoil around that. And we've seen that so many times in different biopics. Um, but the way it's played in here, it almost feels like they're kind of winking at us and being like, you know, you've seen this, but just the tone of the film is um, kind of so absurdist in nature yeah, yeah. that um, it's one of those where you, you kind of have to be on the same wavelength as um, the director and what he's going for. And the director is Michael Showalter, um, but you know, I definitely have a great deal of respect for what he was able to convey here. Well, you you have been a fan of satire for quite a while, and uh, satire is one of those forms of, of dramedy, I like to call it, because it does straddle the line between drama and comedy with a, a message. Uh, that doesn't appeal to everyone. Mm -hmm. And uh, for those that may be looking for just a straight uh, biopic that's a drama, this is not going to be the kind of film they're going to be drawn to. No, definitely not. Uh, this definitely rips on a lot of the, um, a lot of the stereotypes of a biopic, but turns it around in a different way. Um, it always makes fun of them. And um, so, yeah, if you're just going this for a straight kind of informative look at their lives, um, you, you'll get a lot of information from this, but it's not delivered in a typical style. So. Right, right. Uh, Jessica Chastain, uh, you think during award season that's coming up pretty quickly, uh, do you think we're going to be hearing that name? Oh, most definitely, yeah. I think uh, she's definitely going to be one of those that we keep hearing about so many times throughout the critic circuits and the Golden Globes and the Oscars um, and potentially Andrew Garfield as well okay. um, but I do think Jessica Chastain steals the show I mean it's her movie her her um, her name is in the title Eyes of Tammy Faye um, hair and makeup as well is another one that I will be shocked if it doesn't just dominate this award season um, and you know costume production design yeah. is going to be something to keep your eye on but I do think it's the hair and makeup is the one the one technical category that uh, it's, you know, when all is said and done, we're, it's probably going to have the most of any, uh, most of any tally this award season. So. How much background information did you have about the story of, of Jim and Tammy Baker and, and the Charlotte Fort Mill area at the Heritage USA? How much information did you have going in? Honestly, I had very little at yeah. all. Okay. Um, I looked up like a brief paragraph summary of um, you know the the Tammy Faye story, yeah, and it just kind of gave me a few few bits of her personality. Um, that's really all I had going into it. Um, I did recognize some of the names of like real life figures who were going to be portrayed in this. You know, people I've heard about in the news, like Jerry Falwell, mm -hmm. who's played by Vincent Onofrio in this. Yeah, um, and yeah. I'm like, okay, yeah. so Kingpin. Yeah, that's it. That's <laughs> it. So I knew, um, you know, that we were going to see 
some intersection of things that, of course, growing up in North Carolina right. and growing up in the South, probably a few things that I've, a um, few names of people yeah. I've seen in the news. Um, but I honestly did not know that the film was going to take place in Charlotte. Um, yeah. I was actually sitting in Concord Mills, uh, wow. North Carolina, watching it. And um, title card pops up, Charlotte, North Carolina. Yeah. I'm like, hold up a minute. That's, that's pretty much where we are right now. So yeah. that, that was a pretty wild experience. So. Yeah, okay, very cool. Uh, the Eyes of Tammy Faye, uh, the film is in theaters now. Uh, keep your eyes and ears open as we get into award season. What is your rating for the uh, feature film, The Eyes of Tammy Faye? I'm going to give a solid B for The Eyes of Tammy Faye, but uh, would definitely um, recommend it if you, um, you know, if satire's your thing. Gotcha. And if you want to go back and revisit the documentary, I, I'm, I gave that a solid A rating. Uh, it is available on, on Amazon Prime for rental, uh, but you can check, check out The Eyes of Tammy Faye, both in theaters uh, and the documentary on Amazon Prime. Uh, Michael Caine is somebody that I've been a, a fan of for, for a long time. Uh, there's a new film uh, called Best Sellers uh, that you can find that is uh, in certain theaters, select theaters, but also it's available on demand. Um, he and Aubrey uh, Plaza uh, star in this. And do you remember her from uh, Parks and Rec? Yeah, yeah. She's just the most like monotonous character of <laughs> yeah. all time, but in a really funny way. Yeah. Her, her humor is so dry, but it's hilarious. Right. Uh, the, the two of them star in, in this film. And, uh, and, and Kane is this uh, best selling author who had one true bestseller and has been kind of this recluse and. Uh, is a grumpy old man and doesn't really care about anything, about any anyone or or uh, any aspect of life other than what's in front of him at this very moment. Uh, he does end up writing another novel, and uh, this this production company decides to take a chance on him and to take a chance on it, and so they pair uh, uh, Aubrey's character, who is this young kind of book publisher promoter with this grumpy old man, so it's an odd couple pairing to go on this book tour. Uh, so this, this really does find, uh, you, you see this road trip type comedy unfolding. The chemistry between the two is really solid. Uh, the story line works pretty well. Uh, Kane, I think, um, will always find a way to breathe life into the scenes uh, that he uh, is on. Uh, not just when he's solo, but also when he's with someone else, he brings them up a level. And he does that here as well. Uh, there was a film called Twist that I reviewed uh, just a month, a few months ago. He did the same thing on that. It was a small indie film. This is a small indie film. But he is just so good. Um, I, I just continue to be impressed with, with what he does by bringing people uh, to another level. But overall, I thought the film uh, lacked logic in the script. Um, the characters made some choices throughout that really were hard to overlook. It was, it was really forced, I thought. Uh, ultimately, uh, it, it, it was fueled with un unfulfilled potential uh, is what I saw in this film. Uh, best Sellers is one of those that I think is uh, really best left on that spinning dollar rack at, at the Dollar General. You know, you go get a $3 book and go, okay, maybe I'll watch it sometime, read it sometime. Same way with this movie. Uh, it's a, a C-plus rating. Um, Michael Caine is amazing, uh, uh, as always, but uh, the rest of the film, uh, just okay, uh, aside from the chemistry of the two. That's called Best Sellers, a C-plus rating. Uh, you can check that out now. Well, um, let's tell you what, we've got time for uh, another review before we go to an intermission. Well, oh, you have a question? Can we talk about Michael Caine for a yeah, minute? Yeah, 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 yeah. So uh, you mentioned uh, that he's 
what, he's probably somewhere up in his 80s, and this is the second film that you've talked about within the past couple months yeah. with him. So he just keeps continuing to churn out projects time after time again, and it's impressive. Someone who's been doing it for 50-plus years and um, just continues to maintain that passion, that energy. I feel uh, the same way, and he, he's someone that will show up uh, one week in a Christopher Nolan film and then shows up in this small yeah. indie film. He loves to work. Uh, we, we've talked about trying to do a, a Rage Cage uh, segment each week where we look at the, the films of Nicolas Cage because this guy just, Nicolas Cage loves to work. Michael Caine's the same way. I don't think he does quite as many films uh, as Nicolas yeah. Cage does. Probably not quite as many outlandish films either. <laughs> but. That's right. But yeah, Michael Caine... Uh, Anytime I get a chance to check him out on screen, I'm going to do it. So. Yeah, you mentioned the Nolan factor. Uh, he just made pretty much a five-minute appearance in Tenet, Nolan's last feature film, and his screen chemistry with John David Washington in that restaurant scene, just their conversation, um, you can just tell his magnetism and charisma is still there, and um, he kind of, the interplay between oh, yeah. um, Washington and Kane, um, you can just see, like, Washington absorbing so much knowledge just from that one interaction. Yeah, we've got to do, we need to do a take five yeah, yeah. On, on Kane because yeah. uh, there are so many moments in films that I've remembered over the course of my lifetime that he may have not been the lead, but even in these supporting roles, small roles, yeah. there's something about him. There is that magnetism, that charisma, uh, as you mentioned, that, that just will, will bring you into whatever it is that he is doing. Uh, if you want to check out some interesting things, uh, Google uh, acting classes with Michael Caine. There's some amazing uh, acting classes that you can check out for free uh, that were done years ago. And I've, I've shared that with film critics classes uh, that I've done before uh, on acting. So check that out. We're going to take an intermission. We're going to come back and uh, talk Star Wars, uh, this, this new uh, animated Micro-series, I guess? Is it it's a short series? Yeah, short? yeah, in a sense. Um, yeah, we'll talk about We'll talk about that yeah. right after this intermission and also talk about uh, the new Lionsgate film called The Jesus Music. Uh, all that right after this. I hear the cottonwoods whispering above Tell me, tell me, tell me in love The old hootie owl COVID-19 vaccines are safe and effective. Millions of doses have already been given in the United States, and these vaccines have the most intensive safety monitoring in U.S. history. If you have questions, get answers from a reliable source. CDC.gov. Cleveland Community College has identified strengthening online learning as the topic for its quality enhancement plan. We're calling it SOUL. SOUL's five-year implementation plan is focused on continuous improvement of online courses and promoting student success. We're excited for you to take this journey with us.
you come and watch. All right, welcome back to Meet Me in the Movies. That's uh, really, who is that? No, that's Bill Harrelson. Bill Harrelson over there. Uh, still working on the uh, Meet Me in the Movies drone. Uh, it's not going strong at the moment. We're, we're not sure if it's going to work or not. Uh, we've got uh, Greg the Man Tillman. Uh, that's right, uh, G-Man Tillman right back there on the, the Meet Me at the Movies uh, mission control, making sure that we are in focus. And let's focus on Star Wars. Star Wars Visions, uh, Thomas Manning. Uh, this is a Disney Plus animated series, and it's a different type of animated series like we've never really seen before. Yeah, yeah. So um, seven different Japanese animation studios came together uh, to produce a season of, it's called Star Wars Visions. And uh, so there are nine episodes total. They vary in length from like 15 to 20 minutes. Um, and they encompass all different eras of Star Wars. Um, you know, some eras we haven't even seen before, maybe in the distant future. Um, they take, you know, familiar rips on characters, situations, themes, and environments, and then add twists to them. And, uh, you know, leans heavily into the Japanese culture because, of course, Japanese culture was so heavily influential on George Lucas Absolutely. in his original development of Star Wars. Like, the first episode is called The Duel, and it's it's like an animated version of a Kurosawa film. Wow. And, you know, coming off this summer, I've studied, I went into a deep dive of Kurosawa's films. And, uh, you know, this one, the animation, it's in black and white and, um, you know, slow motion. It's yeah. even, it's almost even like film grain wow. in the animation. Um, and then other, other areas you have more vibrant, like each episode is completely different visually from the other one. Like other episodes you have more vibrant colors, um, the, the styles and the action and the expression are more exaggerated. Um, then you have almost some what if type stories. Like, what if the twins of Luke and Leia were evil twins oh, wow. created by the dark side <laughs> wow. and uh, took over the galaxy? And um, it's just, this is, takes place outside of the official canon of Star Wars, but um, I actually appreciated that because it allows them to, you know, kind of throw caution to win and just try stuff out and have a lot of fun with it. That's awesome. Uh, and uh, how many episodes did you say? Nine? Uh, nine episodes total, yes. yeah. And uh, I think the series, um, I, I think it's just one season for this moment. I don't know if they're talking about uh, building off of it, but yeah, for this one season, it's like uh, two and a half hours in length total. And the episodes do range in length, much like uh, when we go back to the Clone Wars, the micro series, yeah. that I think you were first really starting to get introduced to, to Star Wars at that time, other than the edited versions that your dad created for you of the first three films. Yeah, absolutely. The um, Clone Wars micro series from like 2003 and 2004, um, and that was 2D animation. Uh, I think that was Jindy Tartakovsky, I believe, who, who did the direction for that. And um, he, um, like, you can see, um, I, guess, I guess he was somewhat inspired by anime style yeah. in that. And yeah. then, uh, like, this it's kind of going back to those anime roots. Yeah, so. and this one is, is pure anime from that standpoint. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So what's your rating so far for uh, Star Wars Visions? Uh, for Star Wars Visions, I'm going to give it a um, solid A. Um, I haven't had time to watch every single episode and just, like, truly reflect and dig deep into it. But based on what I've seen, it's uh, really, really astounding me. Awesome. So, so for, for Star Wars fans, uh, family-friendly, uh, would you say? Yeah, yeah. It's, okay. um, I think it's rated PG. And okay. uh, it's, you know... The, any violence they have is mostly toned down because it's animation, so yeah. Okay, very cool. Uh, Star Wars Visions, you can find that on Disney+. Plus. Um, Thomas, anybody who's known me for any length of time knows that I have a, a love of music, all types of music, all, all genres of music, and uh, back when I was in um, high school, 
I actually worked at a Christian uh, music and bookstore, a Bible bookstore uh, that would have Christian music as well. And so I was introduced to this thing called Jesus music, contemporary Christian music. Uh, and, and at that time, uh, it was in its uh, somewhat early days, uh, in, the, in the late uh, 60s, early 70s. That was not when I was at the store. But that's when it, it started launching. Uh, you, you would see Christian music branching out from the Southern Gospels and uh, branching out from, from the true Gospels and trying to model itself after rock and roll. And it, and it did it by looking at the culture and the counterculture and really everything that was going on within the United States, the country at that time, with, with race relations, with war in Vietnam. And there was this, this hippie movement that uh, they were accepting Christianity, but they also wanted to have some music that spoke to them. And this documentary from Lionsgate Films is called The Jesus Music, and it follows the history of, of contemporary Christian music or Christian rock music or even now worship music um, throughout uh, the decades of its history, and it does it against the backdrop of what's happening uh, throughout the world at that time. A really fascinating documentary. Uh, it's a feature-length film, uh, almost two hours in length, hour and 49 minutes. Uh, I really uh, was, was fascinated with this. Um, some of the things you get to learn, uh, you have tons of interviews. Everybody from Toby Mack uh, to Stephen Curtis Chapman to Amy Grant to Michael W. Smith to Kirk Franklin to Lecrae. I mean, it just kind of goes on and on and on. So anybody that is familiar with, with Christian music, I think you're going to be impressed with, with how this is historically uh, drawn out. Uh, some of the things that I learned from this, um, not just a biographical snapshot of Christian music, but also the Christian artist, who they are, where they came from, the struggles they had. This does look at the good, the bad, and the ugly of the Christian music scene. And uh, it also looks at a guy named Billy Graham and the impact he had on this movement, which I think is truly fascinating, uh, something I did not know. Uh, it also looks at the similarities between what was happening in society in uh, the late 60s and the 70s, and also what's happening in our society today. The divisions we have, uh, some of the strife that we have as well, and those similarities and how music is one of those things that can provide a bridge. There are a couple quotes I want to share that I really loved. Uh, one, of, one of those comes from Matt Redman, and it says, Sometimes when God moves, he's accompanied by a soundtrack. Love that. And another one says, music can sustain us in the toughest of times, and that is a gift from God. Um, Michael W. Smith was one of these guys that really got his start working with Amy Grant, producing and writing for her. He was a keyboard keyboardist for her, and he broke out on his own, uh, had a, a, a strong Christian music career, but also started working on a pop music career. And... Um, Around uh, the year you know, 2000, 2001, those years, he was, 2001, actually early 2001, um, he was um, felt pulled into the worship music category. And he was like, no, 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 I want to write some pop songs. But he kept feeling this, this yearning and kept feeling pulled and pulled and pulled toward that. Uh, and he kept hearing this voice that says, for times such as these. Um, come to find out, he ultimately heeded that call, did a uh, live worship album, asked all these Christian artists to drop all of their egos at the door, basically come and perform as a backup choir, recorded this um, release, the worship music, 
when it was actually released, it was released on September 11th. And uh, I, I, as I was watching that and watching the interviews, I was just, I got these kind of chills that it goes back to that voice we heard for times such as these. Uh, and, and you think about the past 20 years, uh, Christian music uh, has, has really gone back to this worshipful style that you see in traditional churches and in contemporary Christian churches as well. Re uh, remarkable uh, interviews, wonderful editing. I thought the narrative structure of this was, was really solid captivating, enlightening, and held my attention. My only drawback with this is I felt the final 15, 20 minutes was rushed. Um, I, I, it was just so solid until then, and so it tried to cram the really the last 20 years or so into the, those final 20 minutes, and that didn't work for me. But an A-minus rating, really solid documentary, The Jesus Music. Yeah, yeah, as you were kind of setting that up there, uh, I haven't seen the documentary, but as you made sure to specify 2001, I was wondering if that was going to tie into 9-11. Yeah. That's, that's phenomenal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. truly impressive uh, for, uh, for Christian music fans. But I think for just historical fans of music, I think you will find this uh, fascinating as well. Great archive footage as well. Yeah. We've got two minutes. Uh, I, I do want to, to dive in quickly and uh, talk about, I'll tell you what, let's skip ahead and talk about Bingo Hell. Now we can talk about Army of the Dead. Yeah. Army of the Dead? Yeah, okay. Yeah, I'm oh, sorry. We're, we're going to do Army of the Dead. Uh, so, thanks, Greg. Um, I tried to watch this when it came out and I couldn't get into it, but then uh, over the weekend I, I dove back into it and man, I love this movie. Yeah, yeah. so um, you don't have to worry about there being a you know, four-hour cut of the, this film no. because this was a Snyder cut. He, yes. he shot this film. Uh, he was a DP. He was the director. He was the uh, storyboarder, and he co-wrote the script. This is completely singularly his own vision, um, and it's pretty beautiful to see Netflix kind of give him that much, oh, yeah. um, that much creative freedom. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the, uh, the opening credits makes it look like it's going to be a parody uh, of zombie films and it's set to uh, you know to a, an Elvis Presley uh, song sung by a Liberace impersonator uh, and and you're seeing the whole backstory of the zombie apocalypse happening in Las Vegas within the first what three and a half four or five minutes that sets up what we're going to see in the in the rest of this film I, I found the film to be not a comedy uh, it was it was a, a film that was very much a, a human drama. Yeah, yeah, and honestly uh, has a lot of tragedy elements yes. as well. Um, and there are certain moments where you're like, uh, well, what was the point of all this? Uh, right. Just there, each, each character in this has such dark inner demons that they're dealing with. Um, and then their, even their exploration of those and their, their, um, their attempts to get on the other side of those demons doesn't always work out for them. And it's, uh, yeah, definitely dark character study. Yeah, great, great character arcs as well. And uh, you also get to see the humanity within the zombies, which I think was fascinating to see. Uh, did not expect that. And uh, thoroughly impressed with Army. Uh, of the Dead. It is available on Netflix, and if you uh, like those kind of films, uh, I'd recommend checking it out. I'm glad I gave it a second shot. What is yeah. your rating for this? Oh, uh, yes, yeah, solid B for this. Yeah. Ultimately, it's a story about how sometimes humans don't know how to deal with diseases. Yes. And that was a very interesting reflection of a lot of things. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. I, for times such as this, this is an appropriate documentary as well to get us to start thinking. Anything else you want to add? Uh, I, think, I think that's about it. So for me, solid, B. So, solid B rating yeah. as well for me for Army of the Dead. We do appreciate you spending time with us right here uh, on Meet Me at the Movies. And uh, i got to ask you, uh, Bill Harrelson, how's it going? You got no, no? Okay, maybe next week we'll have the Meet Me at the Movies drone. 
uh, or maybe we'll do some time travel in the future and see if we can get that to happen. Thomas Manning, thanks for joining us as always. And say Ferris, say Ferris, uh, he, he needs you. He needs you. Uh, look for the water tower, and we are going to be saving some money uh, to, for that, raising some money actually for Ferris. Uh, Greg Tillman back there on Mission Control. Uh, your energy is unmatched. It is unmatched, man, I got to tell you. Uh, for all of us out there watching, we appreciate you. Uh, you can email us, info at c19.tv, and uh, join us next week as well, uh, whether that's through wgwg.org, the radio and podcast version, or the television version. We truly, truly appreciate you. Movie Quote of the Week does come from uh, Army of the Dead, and this is really a tip for all of you uh, as you're going out there. Uh, try not to get nuked uh, or murdered by any of the undead. Uh, that does come from Kate from Army of the Dead. So until next time, I'm Noel T. Manning second for all of the amazing uh, cast and crew right here on Meet Me at the Movies at C19. That's around. Woo!